All right, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I pray that today is a day that, that does honor the Lord. Um, looking forward to a, to a great day of continuing to worship. Now we're going into His Word. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we're so pumped that you're here. We actually have a gift that we want to give you today. In the back of the seat in front of you is what we call our Connect card. Today, if you're in-house, if you would grab that Connect card, fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable with, and on your way out of the lot to the, into the lobby today, stop by our Next Step. Uh, next steps area uh, there'll be some folks out there that have lanyards on that says how can i help you um, just hand your card to one of those folks and we've got a Lindsay lane east t-shirt that we would love to give you today just for being here nice quality t-shirt if you're watching online with us man we're so pumped that you're here as well um, the best place for you to fill out the connect card is to click the description in the or click the link in the description of the video that you're watching right now either on youtube or facebook and you can let us know that you were here as well if this is your first time. Um, that Connect card, just for everybody, that Connect card is also what we use to just update your information in our system um, to let us know about prayer needs and also to let us know about decisions that God may have laid on your heart to make today. So those cards are also used by people in our church every single Sunday to let us know uh, about about needs in their church, and the online one is as well. So this time a year ago, Ah, March 2020. What a beautiful month it was. <laughs> right? Uh, March was when we discovered that this coronavirus thing was going to be a little bit uh, impacting our lives, maybe a little bit more than we realized. And so um, here at East, we were preparing for Easter. Um, we had a sermon series uh, that I was pumped about called The Hospitality of Jesus. And that's what we were going to preach on the way up to Easter and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun just challenging one another to look at the life of Christ and to see the love that he showed for those and to help us prepare for Easter and get our hearts ready to welcome people in that are going to come and worship with us at Easter. And and then it all shut down. And so we didn't get to do any of that. Um, so here we are now. Hospitality of Jesus. And so uh, this is a year-old <laughs> year sermon series. Um, but I'm just as excited today as I was a year ago, to walk through this because um, I never got to preach through this idea. And so here we are a year later. Uh, so we're just, we're just going to do two weeks. I'm going to be preaching the next couple of weeks on the hospitality of Jesus. We're going to look at the way that Jesus loved um, and then the, the people that he loved. Okay, We're talking about Jesus' hospitality actions and the company of his hospitality will be next week. So make sure that you come in and check that out. Matthew 11 is where we'll be. If you've got a Bible, go on and open up to that. Um, it's going to be uh, interesting to get started with, okay? Because we're going to look at a verse that is pretty, uh, is is pretty, I think, interesting. We had a, a lady in the first service this morning who said, "I've never thought about that idea that I'm about to share with you." Um, so let's read these two verses, um, and what we're going to see is that there were some insults that are thrown at Jesus, that are designed to be condemning, to show that Jesus was not who he said he was. However, I'm going to show to you today, I believe, over the next two weeks really, that Jesus was doing something right, and that's why he was accused of being these things. All right, verses 18 and 19. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon, the son of man. Uh, just so you know, Son of Man is a, is a biblical term. It comes from the book of Daniel. Uh, Jesus was claiming that for himself to be, the pro, to, to be the prophetic fulfillment 
of that. And so when you see Son of Man, Jesus is referring to himself. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, doing the opposite of what John said. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, that, uh, that you've given us your word. And God, you've, you've uh, helped us. Um, or God, today I pray that you'll help us to understand it. Um, God, we know that, that, uh, that Jesus has, has given us the perfect example of what it looks like to love other people. And God, I just pray that today um, that we would just hone in on that. And God, begin to exemplify the hospitality that Jesus showed in his life. And um, Father, I pray as we always do here that you would teach us to know you and that you would be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, growing up, uh, playing football. Uh, I played football all the way through school, and uh, football locker room is an interesting place to be. Okay? Just, it is. Uh, you can laugh there. Uh, football locker room is an interesting place to be. Um, not that it's different than any other locker room, but football locker room has a little bit of an extra bite to it. And so something that happened in the football locker room um, was that nobody got a pass. Right? Like, no matter what you had going on in your life, you could at any moment get worn out verbally by everybody else on the team. Okay? Like, we were just all the time picking on each other. And just, anyway, that's how it worked. I was not a good name caller. Some of you guys, like, in a former life before Jesus, you know, you may have been really good uh, at, at coming up with a good, uh, a good name for somebody or really making, belittling somebody. Pray, pray that you don't do that anymore. That is a sin, Okay? I was not good at that. You come hard at me, I'm like, jerk. That was about the best I could come up with, right? Like, I just wasn't good at that. Some people, some of y'all just made a, made a, it seemed like a spiritual gift, but we know it wasn't because that's a, that's a, it is a sin. What we have here is Jesus being called some awful things. Jesus is being called a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Today we're going to look at the glutton and the drunkard part. Next week we're going to talk about the friend of tax collectors and sinners. So come back and make sure to be a part of that. Um, Jesus is being called these things, okay? And these accusations that Jesus is being called, um, they say something about who Jesus was, okay? So if Jesus is being called a glutton and a drunk, he either is those things, or he lived his life in such a way that when you were trying to look at him and, and point to something bad, that's the best you could come up with. And so I want to make the argument that it's the latter. We have a group, the, the religious leaders who are trying to belittle Jesus' ministry. They're trying to put him down. But what we see is that this name calling actually just points to something that Jesus was doing really, really well. So point number one, as we're seeing, what did Jesus do? Why did why, did G, why was Jesus called a glutton and a drunkard? The first thing to write down is that Jesus uh, share meals. That's what we see Jesus do, share meals. So to dive into it, Jesus is accused of being a glutton and a drunk. But we know he is neither one of those things because the Bible calls both of them sin. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Okay? He's saying we do have a high priest, okay? We have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he has been tempted in every way as we are. And these last few words are so important. Yet without sin. 
Every temptation that you and I face, Jesus faced the same ones, yet he did it without sin. So the short answer to the question, was Jesus a glutton, meaning he worships and eats food and and floods all of his emotions into food? Or was he a drunkard, meaning he's looking for a fix through the bottle, right, and becoming a drunk? Was Jesus either one of those things? We know from Hebrews 4.15 that Jesus never sinned a single time. So that cannot be the truth. So then the question is, if Jesus wasn't these things, then how was he living his life that that was the best accusation they could come up with? We know the religious leaders were looking for every chance to discredit Jesus' ministry. But Jesus' lifestyle, and I'm going to say something, and don't, hold on, okay? Just let me finish. Jesus is known as a rabbinic, meaning a rabbi, a rabbinic teacher who loved to party. Okay? Like, read the text. Jesus loved social interaction. Now, when I say love to party, don't think party like you think. Jesus partied sinlessly. He loved to be around people. He loved to spend time with people, yet he did it sinlessly. He loved to have a good time sharing meals and drink with all kinds of people. We're going to talk about who those people were next week. The name calling that we see in, 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 uh, in Matthew chapter 11 is born out of the idea that to the religious elite who were so stuck up and so uh, just checkboxing their life, their religious life, that Jesus seemed to be just eating with people all the time and not focusing on his spiritual life at all. He was sharing meals. And can I just tell you, that's my kind of ministry right there, right? Like I just Man, if I could be known as anything as your pastor over the next few years, I would love for you all to say of me, dude just loves to eat. Like he's eating all the time with somebody. And if you find that offensive and you want to come at me, bro, I'll just tell you I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Right? Like, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. I'm just trying to do what Jesus did. This week I discovered that there's even a book called Eating Through Luke's Gospel. Eating your way through Luke's Gospel. The author makes the argument that the entire Gospel of Luke is centered around food. That in every page of Luke's Gospel, you turn to it, Jesus is either heading to a meal, he's eating a meal, or he's leaving a meal. Right, and I haven't done the research to, I haven't read the book. You can find it on Amazon. Um, but the, the point is, is that, and I think, just God help us be like Jesus, amen? Like, God help us. Just let's, let's, let's eat together. But in all seriousness, there is something to this. Sharing a meal was in Jesus' day and continues to be in our day something that is incredibly formative in the relationships that you and I have. I had a conversation with some of our first service people, and the question was asked, why do you think that is? Like, why, what is it about eating food that binds people? And I don't know. Like, any ideas? Like, straight up from the floor? I know it's weird. Why do you think? Huh? Everybody has to do it. You might as well do it together. Yeah, that's right. Fellowship. We talked about, we talked about that. Sometimes when I just sit down with you and we talk, right, and I do weird things, like with I have weird mannerisms, and you may notice them while we're talking, and... Or there's people walking by, but like when you're eating, there's always something to do with your hands, right? If you notice a weird mannerism about me, you can always pick up the chicken leg and take a bite, right? 
And in the awkward silences where if I'm just sitting here talking to you, there's sometimes some pauses in between our, in between our conversation. There's not this desire at a meal that we have to be talking every single minute. Like there's this thing that we're doing together. And, and I don't know if that's it, but what I do know is that, um, that ingrained in us is the idea that sharing meals together is a beautiful thing. And so one of the best ways, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this, okay, to you guys, one of the best ways that you can get to know people is by sharing a meal with them. Sharing a meal with them in your home or at a restaurant. There's something to sitting down to eat with people that will drive a relationship deeper and deeper. If you don't eat with other people much, I encourage you to try. Spend time with people. It's, it was an important part of Jesus' ministry And it should be a part of yours too. There's never been a weirder next step that I've ever preached. (laughs) A lot of times I'm preaching like, read your Bible more. Or like, you know, join a group. Those things are good. I'm telling you to eat with people. Right? Like, be obedient to Christ and eat with people. If eating with people is not a big thing for you, if you have weird um, just things about your mind, you don't like to see people eat, you need to find some outlet. You need to find some outlet that gets you around other people, other Christians and other people outside the church. If not meals, what is one thing that you are doing with intentionality in your life to be around other people? If you have to think about that, then God's speaking to you. Because to be hospitable, hospitality means to make someone feel welcome. To live lives of hospitality, we must be spending time with other people. We all need this. And before you start running your laundry list of excuses, because I know they're coming, and I'm about to tell you what they are. Point number two is this. Stop excuses. I just want to hit you before you ever get started. Stop excuses. Heath, you don't understand. My house is tiny. I only have one bathroom. It's always a mess because my kids are gross. My husband's gross. Or, for some of you, I'm gross. Right? Whatever it is for you. I'm a terrible cook. Nobody wants to come for microwave fish sticks. Amen. <laughs> They're better if you have an air fryer. Like, everything's better in an air fryer. If you don't have one, this is a plug, air fryer, Black & Decker. Everybody makes one. All right. Y'all get me off track. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Another excuse. I'm an introvert. The thought of conversations and small talk makes me sick just thinking about it. Or this one that I've heard before. Heath, I just don't like people. Right? I mean, all of these, listen, Kelly and, Kelly and I have tried all of, most of these, and we've heard all of them. But the truth is, you and I must cease excuses. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, one thing that's held me and Kelly back from being as hospitable as we have in the last 12 months has been this ridiculous virus. Not knowing how you feel about it, not knowing how we feel about it, not knowing how everybody feels about it. When my neighbors drive by and there's four cars in my driveway, are they going to call the police, right? Like these are the things that run through our minds. 
But even COVID itself must cease to be an excuse for hospitality. Now, I'm not saying have 100 people over to your house. But we've got to stop making the excuses. I can't be around people right now. You've got to find ways that you can in a safe way that's good for you. Even if that's phone conversations, right? You've got to have conversations with one another. We need one another. And Jesus, so what we're going to find in the text is, and what we looked at, these these two accusations that come against Jesus. As you study Jesus' life, what is so obviously at the center of these meals is Jesus. Many of them seem to be his idea. You remember, oh man, I'm getting into next week. Jesus encountered a guy named Zacchaeus. What did he say? Zacchaeus, come down. That's where I'm going to your house today. That's a song. Uh, easy, I know, I'm singing, all right. I'm going to your house. Like today, I want to go to your house. He did the same thing with Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus, a lot of these meals that we see Jesus eat, they're his idea. Look, he's the one organizing the what to bring list. He's the one calling and making reservations. Jesus is the one. But listen to me. Jesus himself had no home. It's Matthew 8, verse 20. Jesus is, he has a guy tell him, Hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus tells him this. Hey, bud, foxes, they got dens. Birds of the sky, they have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Let that sink in. This guy who was known as the teacher who loved to party and share meals with people never hosted one in his own home because he didn't have a home. Yet he lived his life characterized by hospitality. He had the best excuse in the book. And yet he didn't let that stop him. If you stress out over how your home looks and you say, I can't do anything because my house isn't clean or it isn't big enough or whatever, just remember, Jesus didn't have a home at all. So open your home and let folks in. Or if your excuses are more about the cost of eating out. Y'all, I'm going to tell y'all, I've had just as good a time at a Dairy Queen as I have at a nice restaurant. There used to be one in Ardmore, and it was killer. Chicken and gravy. Get some gravy with those chicken tenders. I've had just as good a conversations around chicken fingers and gravy as I have a nice restaurant. Kelly and I have had conversations, some awesome conversations, where we're splitting a meal and getting water. That doesn't happen much. But it does happen from time to time. Listen, sharing meals is more about the quality time. It's not about the quality of the bread. It's about breaking the bread together. It's not about the quantity of the bread. It's about breaking the bread with people. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should eat out with someone or invite someone over every single week of your life. You have to find a balance for you in your household. Kelly and I just entered into ball season. Do y'all know about baseball and softball? Um, it's awful. I hate it. I absolutely do. Both of my, I have two kids playing now, and and uh, we're doing. We had we had our first practices last week, and so now three nights out of my week are spent at the ball field, and one of those is Friday night. God help us while we're practicing on Friday night. <sighs> anyway, Friday night, and then I have Wednesday night. Right? I have Wednesday night. Here at church, 
that we've prioritized as a family to do. And so four nights out of the week, I'm booked before I ever do anything else. But guess what it looks like for me right now? I get to spend five hours a week with the other moms and dads and grandparents who are on my kids' teams. And they're sitting in the stands watching their, ki- their five-year-old play in the dirt, just like we are. And they ain't got nowhere to go. And so I can sit there just like they do, right? I can sit there and stare, or I can sit there and play on my phone, or I can strategically use that time to engage people in conversations. I can leverage that time to be hospitable to others. I'm also not saying that you have to invite the whole church over to your house. Our house is 1,400 square foot. I'm going to be honest with you. You get six adults and six kids in there. Fire marshal's coming by, right? Like walls are, walls are shaking and things are happening. Like it's, it's not a good thing. I, even I get claustrophobic. It doesn't have to be every week. It doesn't have to be meals. It doesn't have to be a bunch of people. But listen, church, it needs to be something. Fellowship must be happening among our midst, and we cannot use the excuses that we've used for the last year any longer. We must begin to spend time with one another. And y'all, this is a challenge to me too. As I told the first service, I've been out to eat and had far too few of you in my home. Pastors can have their toes stomped on too, okay? That's a problem. We're in this thing together. If you and I are to follow hard after Jesus, we must do what he did. And what he did was he knew that sharing meals with people was one of the most intense modes of fellowship. And he dove headlong into it. So much so that they accused him of being a glutton and a drunk. That's good. You and I must dive headlong into this idea of spending time with people. Stop making excuses and spend time intentionally with others. But there's more to Jesus' life of hospitality than just hanging out with people. It was the mentality. It was the way in which he did it, did it that struck people. If you've got a Bible in your hand, turn to John 13. And then jot number three down. What we see Jesus, we don't just see him serve, uh, we don't just see him share meals and stop excuses, not using excuses as uh, as a reason why not to, but number three, we see Jesus serve others. This is John 13, one through five. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. Listen to this verse 4. So, because he loved them to the end, And because he knew that his time was near, he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin, 
began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. This is one of the craziest moments in Jesus' ministry. And it's not just a leadership principle. The man on top's got to be willing to serve everybody. That's what we've made it. This move, Jesus' actions here are all about hospitality and love. You may have heard this, but it would have been the responsibility of the lowest servant in the house to do the foot washing. You know why? Because it's gross, crusty, dusty, nasty feet. They're bad enough when they're in socks and shoes, but we're talking about sandals on dirt roads following animals. I don't need to go into detail what comes out of animals and is on the road that's now on your... Okay, thank you. All right, let's stop. That's what's coming in. That's why it was the lowest servant's job. This was a, but this was a great way. If, if you're hosting a party, for you to, to bring your lowest servant and be willing and ask them to, to wash the feet of your guests that came in. This is like a spa treatment. This is nice. What if you gave massages to everybody that came in? I'm expecting this if you invite me to your house. Expect, I have high hopes. But Jesus, as they gather to celebrate Passover, they are in a borrowed room. And there were no servants that we know of given to provide this purpose. And what we find out is that the disciples, if anybody, sitting, uh, anybody around the table was going to wash disciples' feet, wash everybody's feet, should it have been Jesus? Like according to the standard, no. Jesus ought to have been the first one putting his feet in, right? He should have been the first one with the cleanest water. Luke tells us in this same interaction as they're sitting around the table that his disciples, instead of discussing who should be washing the feet, his disciples are arguing about who is the greatest among them. Like Luke tells us that. At the Passover table, a conversation strikes up, probably not where Jesus could hear it, okay? If your kids have ever had a conversation or your friends or coworkers where you can't hear it, that's intentional, right? They don't want you to hear. Jesus' disciples are probably having a conversation here that they don't want Jesus to hear. They're discussing who is the greatest among them. And as that conversation is going on, Jesus gets up from the table. He takes off his outer garment and grabs a towel, ties it around his waist, fills up a bowl of water. Imagine the disciples watching this. What else is he doing? Weirdo. We thought he was weird. And then it becomes clear as he kneels down in front of Peter to begin to wash his feet. That's hush-up juice like no other. You want to talk about who the greatest is? Watch this. Kneel down. Right? Jesus catching his disciples so off guard, washing the feet of his, his students. What Jesus is teaching us here is it's not important just to share meals with people. It's the reason and the purpose and the way in which we do it that's important. I've been guilty of, of wanting to invite people over so I can show how awesome my wife is at decorating. She, she decorates our home in such a beautiful way. But that's the wrong reason to invite you over. 
I can also try to invite you over and try to entertain you with a little dog and pony show. Like I can tell the best stories, tell some good jokes. I can keep you, I can try to keep you laughing the whole time you're there. But that's entertainment. That's not hospitality. What Jesus does here is he does something very, very different. You see, you can go out to eat and you can invite people into your home and you can entertain them. You can tell great stories and make people laugh. You can have the house decorated like Kelly's Pinterest page. Y'all, if you want decorate, like she pins the best stuff in the world. Like just go check it out. It's awesome. You can also cook meals. If y'all don't, if y'all don't follow Kenny on TikTok, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny has the best recipes on TikTok. Not him, but like he, he, that's all he does on TikTok is look at recipes. <laughs> So, dude, if you could decorate your house like Kelly's Pinterest page and cook meals like Kenny's TikTok page, that's the best entertainment. Right? That's, that's an awesome time. But listen, if your guests leave your house talking about how awesome you are, then you didn't serve them, you entertained them. What we see Jesus do here is to be hospitable. To be hospitable is not to entertain, but to serve. Jesus modeled it perfectly, and he said it to his disciples in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to be willing to give his life as a ransom for many. My question to you today is not, do you want to, or how are you doing at entertaining people? My question to you is, are you serving others well? That's what it means to be hospitable. Are you leveraging your time, your home, your finances to be hospitable to others? And I'm going to be honest. I love my time with my family. And I want more of it. Amen? I want more time with my wife. I want more time with my kids. I want more time with my parents while I still have them. They're going to watch this and go, we ain't that close. Anyway. But like, I, and I want to tell my grandparents, right? And I need to prioritize those sometimes, but that can't be all I do. It can't be all I do. I need to prioritize my neighbors. I need to prioritize my, my church family. I don't know what it, this looks like for you, but if you're not leveraging your time, your home, and your finances to be hospitable to people in this church family and to your neighbors, I don't know how else to say this, but do it, right? Like, just begin to do that. Find some way that you can be hospitable to those around you. And if you're doing it just a little bit, let me challenge you just to take another step. To become more consistent with it. Spend more time with people. Do it with a little bit more intentionality. Now listen, this is not about, uh, about a legalistic expectation that I'm putting on you. I'm not asking you to, to fill out a Connect card every week and let me know how many people you had in your home that week. That's not what we're doing. This is about us beginning to live our lives daily as hospitable people. Making others feel at home around us no matter where we are. Now, let me speak directly to you. We got Easter coming up. And, and every Easter, we have more people who have never stepped foot in a church or this church on Easter. And honestly, to prepare for that, um, we're, we're doing something that you may think is crazy. But we're trusting that God's going to send us more people this Easter who are stir-crazy and about to lose their ever-loving minds if they don't get out of the house 
that we're having three services this Easter. We're doing one on Saturday night at 6.30. We're doing two on Sunday morning just like normal. And so our hope is that God will flood our church with people who need to hear. They may be just trying to look for some social, because we're getting close to that mask ordinance being done in Alabama, right? We're also getting, um, we're getting, our numbers hopefully just continue to decrease. Folks are getting vaccines, right? Folks are texting me, got my vaccine, see you next week, right? Those things are beginning to happen. And our prayer is that Easter is just this incredible Sunday. And listen, we need you. Help us be hospitable here by coming early for the service that you're going to attend and welcoming people, talking to people after they sit down in the sanctuary. Encourage them to fill out the Connect card so they can get a free T-shirt. We're going to have extras that day. Take time to learn their names and ask what brought them to East. As a church, um, that's what I'm asking you to do. And as a church, we're doing three things to practice hospitality leading up to Easter. And I just I need you to hear these just so you know. Next Sunday, the, the altar is going to be uh, loaded down with cards that you can invite your friends and neighbors. Just a simple, our Easter graphic that you saw in the uh, countdown when you came in and uh, our times on the back and a little bit of information about our church. Those are going to be here at the altar that you can come and get those and invite your friends and your family and your neighbors and your coworkers to come to Easter and celebrate with us. Be thinking about now who you're going to invite. And here's my promise to you. I promise you to clearly and plainly explain the gospel on Easter. In fact, Patrick asked me right before the service, you know what your sermon is for Sunday on Easter? I said, yep, Jesus. That's it. I'm not getting fancy. I'm not giving you three points in a poem. I'm talking about how Jesus died on the cross and was raised again to new life so that you and I can be dead to sin and be raised to new life. And so I promise you, if you invite your friends and neighbors, co-workers, family, whatever, they will hear the gospel. If you've been too chicken to share it with them, give them a card and get them here. And they'll get to hear about the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. Second thing that we're doing to prepare for Easter, 250 teachers and faculty from the three schools that are right here in our footprint are going to be receiving goodie bags. Many of them have... Um, may already attend somewhere, okay? But our groups are prepping goodie bags for these teachers because I believe if, if, if Easter is getting close and they're getting a bag the week before spring break and they get a bag that has Lindsay Lane East logo on the front and information about our church, that if they want to go to a church on Easter, where do you think they're going to come? East. Thank you. Sometimes you just, I lob y'all one. And it just hits the ground. Yeah, I believe that's the case. And listen, if you want to get involved in this, our groups are doing this. If you're not in a group, that's why you didn't know about it. If you're not in a group, talk to a group leader and find out how you can be a part of this, uh, this, this outreach. If, you have, if you're new and you're like, I don't know who group leaders are, stop by Next Steps today and fill out the, the info, fill out the uh, form that's on the iPad right now and check the box that says, um, about the goodie bags and say, I want more information and we'll get that to you. We'll hook you up and hook you up, connect you with a group that you can um, help them, okay? We're also starting a new ministry called Welcome Home. Um, this is a new thing. It's the first time that I'm, I'm talking with you about it, but 
Listen, there are so many homes coming to our area every month. And what we're finding is that most of these people that are moving in, they're looking for a church home. Not most of them, some of them. Because they're coming here and we're like, hey, what brought you to East? We just moved in the area. We're looking for a church home. And so we want them to know about East. We want them to know that we're here. Some of them are just looking to meet some neighbors. And we found a website, and it's not sketchy, I promise. But we found a website that will literally send us an alert when somebody move, when somebody buys a house within a certain radius of our of our church. That is freaky. It's freaky. <laughs> hey, but we will use freaky for the glory of God. <laughs> we will. We will use freaky. We don't get names or anything like that. But our plan, right, is to keep that window tight because if we spread out three miles, we're that's thousands of homes. What we're doing is just looking real tight around the church first off and we're going to be doing so we're doing we got a lot of catching up to do because there's a lot of houses that have sold in the last little bit um we're a little behind but we're going to wait a couple weeks after the house sells and we're going to be providing them a basket with some food and some info about our church we'll drop it off on the porch say hey head out nothing crazy um, in that in that basket, it's going to have most important. It'll have information about the church, but it's also going to have the most important thing is the gospel card that we've designed that clearly and plainly explains the gospel. If they'd never done the doors of a church, they've they've heard the gospel. Um, so, if you're willing to drop off baskets on a front porch and have a simple thirty second conversation with somebody. Uh, with one of our neighbors here, um, you can let us know by signing up at Next Steps. We're still working on the baskets because it was an idea that came late in the game and we're trying to make it happen because we think we could be a huge impact for Easter. Um, but let us know by signing up at Next Steps. Again, it's on the iPad. Fill out the form and check the box that uh, talks about the welcome um, welcome thing. Okay. For both, uh, for all of these efforts, um, again, the iPad's at Next Steps um, to fill that out. Together and through tons of prayer, um, we can see Easter become one of the most significant days in the life of our church. I truly believe it. Um, I truly believe that can happen this Easter. God has God has orchestrated the world with COVID restrictions and everything coming to a head right at Easter. And y'all, it could be crazy, and we got to be ready. So let's 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 do this together. We have to think and live a life of hospitality. And this has been one of the weirdest sermons I've preached, but my question to you is this. How are you going to respond today? How shall we respond? I know what God's done in my heart as I've been studying and, and preaching the last two sermons, but some of you may want to spend this last song honestly sending text messages and inviting people over to your house this Sunday, right? You may need to do that during this invitation song. If it's done in the name of the Lord, don't feel bad about having your phone out. Everybody's going to know what you're doing. We know you're not checking the scores, Murray. We know that you're texting people. That just slipped out. But use this time. It's a time for you to be obedient. Some of you may want to commit to signing up at Next Steps for one of the things that we're offering between now and Easter. Still others may want to join one of our teams for Sunday mornings. Y'all, we've got three services, which means we're going to need more volunteers Easter weekend. You may want to sign up as a greeter, an info desk, hospitality, counselor, security, whatever. You can sign up anytime and help out at our next steps. Fill out the form. It's all the same form. You just check a different box. Let us know however you feel led to help. The opportunity to join this church family and be baptized are always on the table for conversation as well. But today, listen to me. If you've never trusted in the one, the, the one 
who set the standard for what it looks like to love and to be hospitable, if you've never trusted in his name, that's the most important thing you need to hear today. Before you need to invite people into your house and feed them and have a big time in the name of Jesus, you need to find yourself in repentance of your sin, turning from the sin that's in your life and turning to Jesus who can save you. Today we'd love to talk with you about how you can begin a relationship with God through Jesus as well. I'm going to be down front during this last song to talk with you about anything that's on your heart. Um, We'll have counselors by the back door as well if that's easier for you. Um, The altar will also be open. Man, an opportunity for you to come and just come before God and and this whole church family and just kneel and pray on behalf of someone else or on behalf of a situation in your life. All of this is open for you. Um, However you need to respond. We're going to sing one more song. um, And as a time for you to respond... Talk with me, talk with decision counselors, come and kneel, whatever you need to do, okay? I'm going to say a word of prayer. After I pray, um, Patrick and uh, some of the worship team are going to lead us in a song. You stand after that. Father, we thank you, God, that, uh, that God, God, there is something within us, God, that you placed there. God, a, uh, a desire for fellowship. God, that's good. I pray that we as a church, um, God, we as a church, we have we have all the answers that people need in their lives. God, we have the answer to the biggest questions that people face. But God, when they come in this place or they see us on the street, we work beside them every day. We'll never get a chance to answer the big question if we don't answer the little question, which is, do you love me? God, may Lindsay Laneys, the people that make up this body, be known as people of love in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplaces. God, may we live lives of service to other people. God, not looking out for our own interests, but to the interests of others. And God, I pray that for myself, first and foremost, that I would prioritize time with other people in my life. God, whether that's in my home, in a restaurant, a phone call, a visit, whatever it is, I pray, God, that you would stir in our hearts and lead us to live lives of hospitality around us. I pray for Easter. God, move at Easter. Do something big. God, that we won't be able to pat ourselves on the back for because it's so crazy that only you can get credit for what happens. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us respond in whatever way we need to today. In Jesus' name I pray.